Unto us, part five, Isaiah 9, 6. We've already looked at that verse. So this morning we're going to consider the title that is given to our Lord in that verse, Counselor. In our study of this phrase, unto us, found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we have considered in detail the first five parts of this verse. The first thing we considered was unto us, unto God's elect. Unto those that God has loved, as I mentioned in the prayer, before the world was. Unto us. Us who were dead in trespasses and sin, yet now we live in Christ. It's not us that live, but Christ that liveth in us. The light of the world has been shined in our hearts. A child is born was the second part. This one who had to be born. He had to come to this world in the flesh in order to pay our sins. In order to redeem us to the Father, sin had to be punished. And all of our sin was laid upon him and punished in him. He accepted the wrath of God willingly in our stead. Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. God gave his only begotten son. He gave him. Can we comprehend that God the Father gave his son? Here. Here's my only begotten son. Let him take your death for you. Let me pour out my wrath upon him for your sins. The son was given. This one who was given to us the very government, the very creation that you and I know all things were governed by him. And as we consider those wonderful points, we looked at our last week, we, or two weeks ago, we looked at his name is wonderful. Oh, do you see the wonder of Christ your Savior? Do you, do you comprehend the slightest bit of the grace that God has for you and I in giving us his son, the wonderfulness of that? We'll live like Bill lives now in eternity with him. In, his, in heaven, his father has many mansions, one with the name of every single one of his children on it. And not one seat will be empty. The name, the seat with your name on it, Polly Mary, shall be filled one of these days. The seat with Bill Silva's name on it has been filled. This morning I want to wish to continue with these beautiful names of our Savior, these names that bring comfort to the sinner, a sinner that is saved by grace. I want to bring to you this morning comfort from the counselor or guide. Every way my Savior leads me. Every way my Savior guides me. His inerrant word I look to for my counsel. I've heard Pastor Gene say over the years, I'm not a counselor. If anybody could make that statement today, it's me. I'm an uneducated 
didn't say stupid. I said uneducated. I'm an uneducated man in the things of this world other than my own experiences. But I have the greatest counsel there is in this entire world right here in my hand. The counsel of the one who created everything, whose wisdom is above all wisdom. Wisdom we can't even understand because his ways are not our ways, right? Isn't that what scripture tells us? Robert Hawker wrote these words. He said, Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, tender counselor. <laughs> Do you realize that the Lord calling us out of darkness and healing our blindness, healing our lameness, healing our leprosy is opening us to his counsel where the world is not open to? How many people, how many people stood and heard the words of God himself right in front of their face on this earth and didn't hear a single word in truth? They heard it with the ears here, but they had no ears of the heart to hear it. You and I have been given ears of the heart to hear the counsel of our Lord. We know that our brother Bill stands with the Lord through the counseling that he has given us in his word. Not in anything that we have seen in Bill, although I will express this, we do see something in God's people. We see the love of God in them. I, I don't mean to put anybody down who's not here for, or for services this morning, but I see the love of God in you folks sitting here this morning desiring to hear God's word. I see the love of God in you in Friday nights coming out of your homes when you could be doing any kinds of things in the world and listening to God's word preached. God's people love to hear the gospel. Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, and tender counselor in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. O oh, thou mighty God, thou all-sufficient Jesus, to see the purchase of thy blood and thy Father's gift completed and made effectual. This is our counselor. This is Robert Hawker's praying out praises to our Lord as our counselor. Thou all-sufficient Jesus, O oh, thou almighty God, Oh, thou everlasting Father in all things, everlasting in love, in provision, in care, in security, a blessed eternity for all relations in one art thou to thy people. John, Kill, John Gill wrote this. He said, this some read in conjunction with the former title, thus wonderful counselor. They put the two words, wonderful and counselor, together as one. That's the way the Arabic version of Scripture is. He calls, he, he refers to the subjunct, I, I don't say this correctly, I apologize, septungent, which calls him the angel of the great council. And the Targum puts it this way, who does wonderfully in council. 
Now look over at Isaiah. Hold your place here. Or, well, we're not going to come back to it. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 28, 29. And I want to see what John Gill is referring to here. He was, he's referring to this who does wonderful in counsel. And, he, and he, uh, he, he's, he agrees with that through what we read in Isaiah 28, verse 29. Isaiah verse 28, verse 29. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is, one, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. So we see what John Gill is stating there as the angel of the great counsel. Our first consideration of this title is how it belongs to Christ as concerned with his Father and the blessed Holy Spirit and the works of nature and providence in the works of nature and in providence and in grace. Here, the counsel between... Here. Listen. Here. I want you to hear the counsel between the great three and one. In Genesis 1.26, we, we read these words. And God said, let us, there's the counsel between the three and one. People say, well, there's only one God. Absolutely correct, but there are three distinct persons. All make up the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't just say it in one place, it says it throughout all of Scripture. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. I and my Father are one. Many, many more scriptures I can go with. And God's, and let me finish uh, Genesis 1.26, the counsel of, of the great three and one. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, let them, let the men have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, there's one. There's just one example of the of the counsel between the great three and one. Let me give you another one in Genesis 11:7. Go to. This is at the Tower of Babel. You remember that story, right? Uh, God God looked down upon the earth and he saw men trying to raise themselves up to God in their own with the works of their own hand. And he says, "We will not have this." Right? Here's what it says in Genesis 11:7. Go to and let us. Didn't say go, I'm going to go down and, and do this. He says, go to and let us, speaking of the great three in one, counseling, taking counsel with each other in perfect agreement. There's no dispute between the three of them. They are three in one. In perfection and in every way. Go to, let us go down, and they and they're confound their speech. Confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So we see right there <clears throat> two examples of the great counsel between the three and one. So we see the great three and one taking counsel with each other, yet God stands in no need of counsel with his creation. His ways are above our ways. How could we give God counsel? Go and read the book of Job sometime. Find out how God addressed Job when where were you, he said to Job, where were you when I made the world? I didn't need you. I don't need you now. He does not take counsel with his creation. 
creatures are not part of his counsel, but Christ is. Christ is part of all of his thoughts, part of all of his purposes. It's all Christ is part of all the decrees. Christ was consulted in creation and in the works of providence and in the great affair of redemption and salvation. Again, John Gill points this out. He says the council held concerning that is, that is the great council. This Again, the Sepungent uh, Scriptures version reads it this way. Here makes a mention of this and it's called the Council of Peace. And he gets that from Zechariah 6.13 where we hear these words. Even he... Speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. The council of peace. The council of peace that determined that Christ would sit on his throne and work all things out for the good of his people. That he would be the mediator between a sinful man and God Almighty who is holy. It is in this council of peace which the plan of salvation was formed. And it was also that same council of peace that it was deployed. It was agreed upon. It was agreed upon that God, the Son, the God-man, would become human, human flesh. He would become human by nature and by obedience through sufferings and through death. And the time of Christ's incarnation and death was settled at that moment before the world began, as well as all the blessings of grace and the glory for the persons who are, who are to share in this salvation. Now secondly, and I'll bring this to a close after this, we see this counselor as God sending his wisdom down to us. Remember, we're looking at unto us. This counselor was sent by God the Father unto us to help us to walk through this valley of the shadow of death till the day that he would take us across the Jordan into heaven. All that is written, all of his holy word is for our learning. Learning of what? Learning of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Learning of who he is. Learning of his graciousness and becoming flesh. Learning of him fulfilling his own law on our behalf. Learning of his love for you and I from before the world was. He displays his wisdom in sending saved sinners to preach his word to sinners in need of salvation. Look over at the 16th Psalm, if you would. Psalm number 16. Psalm we read in verses 1 through 7 Preserve me, O God for in thee do I put my trust Here's the wisdom the wisdom that you and I have by our Lord and that is that there's nothing in this flesh we can be dependent upon 
We see through God's word that there is nothing to have any confidence in this fleshing. Our flesh is nothing but tainted with sin. And when we are given sight, where once we were blind to see this truth, he shines his light in our hearts where we say, Preserve me, O God. All the way my Savior leads me. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another, that hasten after another God. They drink offerings of blood, will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, have goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. One more, if you would, turn over to the 32nd Psalm, and we'll just read a couple of verses there. Psalms 32. Psalms 32. In the 32nd Psalm, verses 1 and 2, we read these words, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. Now look down at verse 7. Thou, thou, O Lord, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble, Thou shalt compass me about, that means surround us, completely cover a, a, a hedge all around us with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee, he says, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide, I will counsel thee with mine eye, saith the Lord. You don't need to turn there, but over in John chapter 6, verse 45, we read these words, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Oh, what a wonderful God we serve, who comes to us in our personal times of trouble and counsels us in his word. Put no trust in your flesh. There's nothing in your flesh that you can count on, but you can count on every single promise from him to come true. Now, folks, there's no way to consider in one study of the counsel our Lord gave while walking this earth. But let me just list a couple of few, a few if you would. Consider his counsel in repentance. What did he do when he walked this earth? He counseled people to repent of their sin. Repent of their pride. Repent. Repent of their unbelief. And turn to him. I am the way and the truth, he said. He counseled people in humbleness, giving himself as an example. Though he 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was made uh, to be a servant. Though he had all the royal command of heaven at his fingertips, he became a servant and washed the feet of his people. Take that as counsel. He counseled the people in righteousness. You have none. There is only one who is righteous. The one who was sent from the Father. And he was sent unto us. He counseled the people in holiness. But the most precious counsel of all was his counsel of substitution. I must needs go to Jerusalem and be crucified and die, and be raised the third day. What a counsel for you and I, huh? <laughs> oh. What a counsel for hearing him say, it's finished, Mike. Your warfare is done. John, Kathy, all of you who are online, our warfare is done. The counsel of our Savior is sit and rest in me. counsels us in his love, the love he has for his people. Unto us, it said, our Lord is our counselor. Amen? Will you bow with me? Unto us, Part 5, Isaiah 9-6. We've already looked at that verse. This morning we're going to consider the title that is given to our Lord in that verse, Counselor. In our study of this phrase unto us, found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we have considered in detail the first five parts of this verse. The first thing we considered was unto us, unto God's elect. Unto those that God has loved, as I mentioned in the prayer, before the world was. Unto us, us who were dead in trespasses and sin, yet now we live in Christ. It's not us that live, but Christ that liveth in us. The light of the world has been shined in our hearts. A child is born was the second part. This one who had to be born. He had to come to this world in the flesh in order to pay our sins, in order to redeem us to the Father, sin had to be punished. And all of our sin was laid upon him and punished in him. He accepted the wrath of God willingly in our stead. Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. God gave his only begotten son. He gave him. Can we comprehend that God the Father gave his son? Here, here's my only begotten son. Let him take your death for you. Let me pour out my wrath upon him for your sins. The son was given. This one who 
given to us the very government, the very creation that you and I know all things were governed by him. And as we consider those wonderful points, we looked at our last week, we, or two weeks ago, we looked at his name is wonderful. Oh, do you see the wonder of Christ your Savior? Do you, do you comprehend the slightest bit of the grace that God has for you and I in giving us his son, the wonderfulness of that? We'll live like Bill lives now in eternity with him. In, his, in heaven, his father has many mansions, one with the name of every single one of his children on it. And not one seat will be empty. The name, the seat with your name on it, Polly Mary, shall be filled one of these days. The seat with Bill Silva's name on it has been filled. This morning, I want to wish to continue with these beautiful names of our Savior, these names that bring comfort to the sinner, a sinner that is saved by grace. I want to bring to you this morning comfort from the counselor or guide. Every way my Savior leads me. Every way my Savior guides me. His inerrant word I look to for my counsel. I've heard Pastor Gene say over the years, I'm not a counselor. If anybody could make that statement today, it's me. I'm an uneducated I didn't say stupid. I said uneducated. I'm an uneducated man in the things of this world other than my own experiences. But I have the greatest counsel there is in this entire world right here in my hand. The counsel of the one who created everything whose wisdom is above all wisdom. Wisdom we can't even understand because his ways are not our ways, right? Isn't that what scripture tells us? Robert Hawker wrote these words. He said, Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, tender counselor. <laughs> Do you realize that the Lord calling us out of darkness and healing our blindness, healing our lameness, healing our leprosy is opening us to his counsel where the world is not open to? How many people, how many people stood and heard the words of God himself right in front of their face on this earth and didn't hear a single word in truth? They heard it with the ears here, but they had no ears of the heart to hear it. You and I have been given ears of the heart to hear the counsel of our Lord. We know that our brother Bill stands with the Lord through the counseling that he has given us in his word. Not in anything that we have seen in Bill, although I will express this, we do see something in God's people. We see the love of God in them. All right? 
I don't mean to put anybody down who's not here for, or for services this morning, but I see the love of God and you folks sitting here this morning desiring to hear God's word. I see the love of God in you and Friday nights coming out of your homes when you could be doing any kinds of things in the world and listening to God's word preached. God's people love to hear the gospel. Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, and tender counselor, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, thou mighty God, thou all-sufficient Jesus, to see the purchase of thy blood and thy Father's gift completed and made effectual. This is our counselor. This is Robert Hawker's praying out praises to our Lord as our counselor, thou all-sufficient Jesus. Oh, thou almighty God. Oh, thou everlasting Father in all things everlasting in love, in provision, in care, in security, a blessed eternity for all relations in one art thou to thy people. John, Kill, John Gill wrote this. He said, this some read in conjunction with the former title, thus wonderful counselor. They put the two words, wonderful and counselor, together as one. That's the way the Arabic version of Scripture is. He calls, he, he refers to the subjunct, I, I don't say this correctly, I apologize, subjunct, which calls him the angel of the great council. And the Targum puts it this way, who does wonderfully in council. Now look over at Isaiah, hold your place here, or, well, we're not going to come back to it. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 28, 29. And I want to see what John Gill is referring to here. He was, he's referring to this who does wonderful in counsel. And, he, and he, uh, he, he's, he agrees with that through what we read in Isaiah 28, verse 29. Isaiah verse 28, verse 29. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is one which is wonderful in counsel and excellent. And working. So we see what John Gill is stating there as the angel of the great council. Our first consideration of this title is how it belongs to Christ as concerned with his Father and the blessed Holy Spirit and the works of nature and providence in the works of nature and in providence and in grace. Here the council between here. Listen, here. I want you to hear the council. Between the great three and one. In Genesis 1.26 we, we read these words. And God said let us. There's the counsel between the three and one. People say well. There's only one God. Absolutely correct. But there are three distinct persons. All make up the Godhead. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't. Just say it in one place. It says it throughout all of Scripture. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. I and my Father are one. Many, many more Scriptures I can go with. And God's, and let me finish uh, Genesis 1.26, the counsel of, of the great three and one. God said, let us make man in our image. 
after our likeness and let them have dominion, let them, let the men have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now there's one, there's just one example of the, of the council between the great three and one. Let me give you another one in Genesis 11:7. Go to, this is at the Tower of Babel. You remember that story, right? Uh, God, God looked down upon the earth and he saw men trying to raise themselves up to God in their own, with the works of their own hand. And he says, we will not have this, right? Here's what it says in Genesis 11, 7. Go to and let us. Didn't say, go, I'm going to go down and, and do this. He says, go to and let us. Speaking of the great three in one, counseling, taking counsel with each other in perfect agreement. There's no dispute between the three of them. They are three in one. In perfection and in every way. Go to, let us go down, and they and they're confound their speech. Confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So we see right there <clears throat> two examples of the great counsel between the three and one. So we see the great three and one taking counsel with each other, yet God stands in no need of counsel with his creation. His ways are above our ways. How could we give God counsel? Go and read the book of Job sometime. Find out how God addressed Job. Where were you, he said to Job, where were you when I made the world? I didn't need you. I don't need you now. does not take counsel with his creation. Creatures are not part of his counsel, but Christ is. Christ is part of all of his thoughts. It's part of all of his purposes. It's all Christ is part of all the decrees. Christ was consulted in creation and in the works of providence and in the great affair of redemption and salvation. Again, John Gill points this out. He says the council held concerning that it, that is the great council, this Again, the subungent uh, scriptures version reads it this way. Here makes a mention of this, and it's called the Council of Peace. And he gets that from Zechariah 6.13, where we hear these words. Even he, speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be priest upon his throne, and the Council of Peace shall be between them both. The Council of Peace. The Council of Peace that determined that Christ would sit on his throne and work all things out for the good of his people. That he would be the mediator between a sinful man and God Almighty who is holy. It is in this Council of Peace which the plan of salvation was formed. And it was also that same Council of Peace that it was deployed. It was agreed upon. It was agreed upon that God, the Son, the God-man, would become human, human flesh. He would become human by nature and by obedience, through sufferings and through death. And the time of Christ's incarnation and death was settled at that moment before the world began, as well as all the blessings of grace and the glory for the persons who are, who are to share in this salvation. Now, secondly, and I'll bring this to a close after this, we see this counselor is 
God sending his wisdom down to us. Remember, we're looking at unto us. This counselor was sent by God the Father unto us to help us to walk through this valley of the shadow of death till the day that he would take us across the Jordan into heaven. All that is written, all of his holy word is for our learning. Learning of what? Learning of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Learning of who he is. Learning of his graciousness and becoming flesh. Learning of him fulfilling his own law on our behalf. Learning of his love for you and I from before the world was. He displays his wisdom in sending saved sinners to preach his word to sinners in need of salvation. Look over at the 16th Psalm, if you would. Psalm number 16. <clears throat> Psalm we read in verses 1 through 7 Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Here's the wisdom. The wisdom that you and I have by our Lord, and that is that there's nothing in this flesh we can be dependent upon. We see through God's word that there is nothing to have any confidence in this flesh. In. Our flesh is nothing but tainted with sin. And when we are given sight, where once we were blind to see this truth, he shines his light in our hearts where we say, Preserve me, O God, all the way my Savior leads me. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. But the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another, that hasten after another God. They drink offerings of blood, will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, have goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord. Who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. One more, if you would turn over to the 32nd Psalm, and we'll just read a couple of verses there. Psalms 32. Psalms 32nd Psalm verses 1 and 2 we read these words blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity in whose spirit there is no guile now look down at verse 7 thou thou O Lord thou art my hiding place thou shalt preserve me from trouble 
Thou shalt compass me about. That means surround us, completely cover a, a, a hedge all around us with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee, he says, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide, I will counsel thee with mine eye, saith the Lord. You don't need to turn there, but over in John chapter 6, verse 45, we read these words, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Oh, what a wonderful God we serve, who comes to us in our personal times of trouble and counsels us in his word. Put no trust in your flesh. There's nothing in your flesh that you can count on, but you can count on every single promise from him to come true. Now, folks, there's no way to consider in one study of the counsel our Lord gave while walking this earth. But let me just list a couple of few, a few if you would. Consider his counsel in repentance. What did he do when he walked this earth? He counseled people to repent of their sin. Repent of their pride. Repent. Repent of their unbelief. And turn to him. I am the way and the truth, he says. He counseled people in humbleness, giving himself as an example. Though he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he was made uh, to be a servant. Though he had all the royal command of heaven at his fingertips, he became a servant and washed the feet of his people. Take that as counsel. He counseled the people in righteousness. You have none. There is only one who is righteous. The one who was sent from the Father. And he was sent unto us. He counseled the people in holiness. But the most precious counsel of all was his counsel of substitution. I must needs go to Jerusalem and be crucified and die, and be raised the third day. What a counsel for you and I, huh? <laughs> oh. What a counsel for hearing him say, it's finished, Mike. Your warfare is done. John, Kathy, all of you who are online, our warfare is done. The counsel of our Savior is sit and rest in me. counsels us in his love, the love he has for his people. Unto us, it says, our Lord is our counselor. Amen? Will you bow with me?
morning, folks. Good to have you here with us this morning. What a wonderful day the Lord has provided for us to worship and praise his name. In our announcements, I missed out on one. Next week will be the, the 17th of July will be our third Sunday of the month. And as you well know, on our third Sunday of the month, we uh, come to the Lord's table in communion for those, with those who are unable to join us after our fellowship dinner on the first of the month. So, Lord willing, next Sunday, following immediately following our, our morning 11 o'clock service, we'll come to the Lord's table in remembrance of our Savior. Speaking about coming together in remembrance, Saturday, July 16th at 11 a.m., here at this place in Rescue, California, we will come in remembrance of our brother Bill, having a memorial service to gather together in closure of our brother Bill leaving this world. Because of that, I'm going to go ahead and cancel this Friday night Bible study. Actually, Kathy and I were planning on leaving uh, this next week, my brother Lee and his wife just left last Friday, and uh, we were going to get away for a few days, but I've got a service on Saturday to prepare for. No, this TV is not permanent. This is Bill's big screen TV, which his sister graciously gave to the church along with his motorcycle, and we will attempt to sell it. Um, or whatever we can get for it on Craigslist or whatever. It's, a, it's not very old, and it's as you can see, it's quite large. What we're trying to do with it, and the reason you see it set up here in the worship hall, is we're hoping that, um, and we're not sure if this is going to work, so you'll bear with us. We're hoping that we can show it all of those who want to join on Zoom. We have people uh, in Tennessee, Kingsport, Tennessee, the Stonikers want to join us. Jean and Judy and their daughter Shelly and her husband want to join us from Kentucky. Shelby Fortner wants to join us. And I want people that do join us in person to see those who are on the line. And I'm, we're trying to see if we can figure out a way where we can give those online an opportunity to speak where everybody can hear. So, But we're not sure if it's all going to work out. You just have to pray the Lord will give us the ability to do that. We're testing and so on. That TV will not stay here. Somebody asked me, are you going to set it up and start doing like all the other churches where you put a verse up on the board? And no, no. We have our verses right here. We can read them right from this book that God has provided for us. And I pray each and every one of you have a book. If you don't, let me know. I'd be happy to give you one. I believe that's it. Unto us, part five, Isaiah 9, 6. We've already looked at that verse. This morning we're going to consider the title that is given to our Lord in that verse, Counselor. In our study of this phrase, unto us, found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we have considered in detail the first five parts of this verse. The first thing we considered was unto us, unto God's elect. 
unto those that God has loved, as I mentioned in the prayer before the world was. Unto us. Us who were dead in trespasses and sin, yet now we live in Christ. It's not us that live, but Christ that liveth in us. The light of the world has been shined in our hearts. A child is born was the second part. This one who had to be born. He had to come to this world in the flesh in order to pay our sins. In order to redeem us to the Father, sin had to be punished. And all of our sin was laid upon him and punished in him. He accepted the wrath of God willingly in our stead. Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. God gave his only begotten son. He gave him. Can we comprehend that God the Father gave his son? Here. Here's my only begotten son. Let him take your death for you. Let me pour out my wrath upon him for your sins. The son was given. This one who was given to us the very government, the very creation that you and I know all things were governed by him. And as we consider those wonderful points, we looked at our last week, we, or two weeks ago, we looked at his name is wonderful. Oh, do you see the wonder of Christ your Savior? Do you, do you comprehend the slightest bit of the grace that God has for you and I in giving us his son, the wonderfulness of that? We'll live like Bill lives now in eternity with him. In, his, in heaven, his father has many mansions, one with the name of every single one of his children on it. And not one seat will be empty. The name, the seat with your name on it, Polly Mary, shall be filled one of these days. The seat with Bill Silva's name on it has been filled. This morning, I want to wish to continue with these beautiful names of our Savior, these names that bring comfort to the sinner, a sinner that is saved by grace. I want to bring to you this morning comfort from the counselor or guide. Every way my Savior leads me. Every way my Savior guides me. His inerrant word I look to for my counsel. I've heard Pastor Gene say over the years, I'm not a counselor. If anybody could make that statement today, it's me. I'm an uneducated say stupid. I said uneducated. I'm an uneducated man in the things of this world other than my own experiences. But I have the greatest counsel there is in this entire world right here in my hand. 
the counsel of the one who created everything, whose wisdom is above all wisdom. Wisdom we can't even understand because his ways are not our ways, right? Isn't, isn't that what scripture tells us? Robert Hawker wrote these words. He said, Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, tender counselor. <laughs> Do you realize that the Lord calling us out of darkness and healing our blindness, healing our lameness, healing our leprosy is opening us to his counsel where the world is not open to? How many people, how many people stood and heard the words of God himself right in front of their face on this earth and didn't hear a single word in truth? They heard it with the ears here, but they had no ears of the heart to hear it. You and I have been given ears of the heart to hear the counsel of our Lord. We know that our brother Bill stands with the Lord through the counseling that he has given us in his word. Not in anything that we have seen in Bill, although I will express this, we do see something in God's people. We see the love of God in them. I, I don't mean to put anybody down who's not here for, or for services this morning, but I see the love of God in you folks sitting here this morning desiring to hear God's word. I see the love of God in you in Friday nights coming out of your homes when you could be doing any kinds of things in the world and listening to God's word preached. God's people love to hear the gospel. Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, and tender counselor in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. O oh, thou mighty God, thou all-sufficient Jesus, to see the purchase of thy blood and thy Father's gift completed and made effectual. This is our counselor. This is Robert Hawker's praying out praises to our Lord as our counselor, thou all-sufficient Jesus. O oh, thou almighty God. O oh, thou everlasting Father in all things, everlasting in love, in provision, in care, in security, a blessed eternity for all relations in one art thou to thy people. John, Kill, John Gill wrote this. He said, this some read in conjunction with the former title, thus wonderful counselor. They put the two words, wonderful and counselor, together as one. That's the way the Arabic version of Scripture is. He calls, he, he refers to the subunjit, I, I don't say this correctly, I apologize, septunjit, which calls him the angel of the great council. And the Targum puts it this way, who does wonderfully in council. Now look over at Isaiah, hold your place here, or, well, we're not going to come back to it. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 28, 29. And I want to see what John Gill is referring to here. He was, he's referring to this who does wonderful in counsel. And, he, and he, uh, he, he's, he agrees with that through what we read in Isaiah 28, verse 29. Isaiah verse 28, verse 29. 
This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is one which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. So we see what John Gill is stating there as the angel of the great council. Our first consideration of this title is how it belongs to Christ as concerned with his Father and the blessed Holy Spirit and the works of nature and providence in the works of nature and in providence and in grace. Here the council between here. Listen, here. I want you to hear the council between the great three and one. In Genesis 1.26, we, we read these words. And God said, let us. There's the council between the three and one. People say, well, there's only one God. Absolutely correct, but there are three distinct persons all make up the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't just say it in one place, it says it throughout all of Scripture. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. I and my Father are one. Many, many more scriptures I can go with. And God's, and let me finish uh, Genesis 1.26, the counsel of, of the great three and one. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion, let them, let the men have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now there's one, there's just one example of the of the council between the great three and one. Let me give you another one in Genesis 11:7. Go to, this is at the Tower of Babel. You remember that story, right? Uh, God God looked down upon the earth and he saw men trying to raise themselves up to God in their own with the works of their own hand and he says we will not have this. Right? Here's what it says in Genesis 11:7. Go to and let us didn't say, go, I'm going to go down and, and do this. He says, go to and let us, speaking of the great three in one, counseling, taking counsel with each other in perfect agreement. There's no dispute between the three of them. They are three in one, in perfection and in every way. Go to, let us go down, and, they, and they're confound their speech, confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So we see right there <clears throat> two examples of the great counsel between the three and one. So we see the great three and one taking counsel with each other, yet God stands in no need of counsel with his creation. His ways are above our ways. How could we give God counsel? Go and read the book of Job sometime and find out how God addressed Job when where were you, he said to Job, where were you when I made the world? I didn't need you. I don't need you now. He does not take counsel with his creation. Preachers are not part of his counsel, but Christ is. Christ is part of all of his thoughts, part of all of his purposes. It's all, Christ is part of all the decrees. Christ was consulted in creation and in the works of providence and in the great affair of redemption and salvation. Again, John Gill points this out. He says the council held concerning that, it, that is the great council, this, again, this abundant uh, 
Scripture's version reads it this way. Here makes a mention of this, and it's called the Council of Peace. And he gets that from Zechariah 6.13, where we hear these words. Even he, speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be priest upon his throne, and the Council of Peace shall be between them both. The Council of Peace. The Council of Peace that determined that Christ would sit on his throne and work all things out for the good of his people. That he would be the mediator between a sinful man and God Almighty who is holy. It is in this Council of Peace which the plan of salvation was formed. And it was also that same Council of Peace that it was deployed. It was agreed upon. It was agreed upon that God, the Son, the God-man, would become human, human flesh. He would become human by nature and by obedience, through sufferings and through death. And the time of Christ's incarnation and death was settled at that moment before the world began, as well as all the blessings of grace and the glory for the persons who are, who are to share in this salvation. Now secondly, and I'll bring this to a close after this, we see this counselor as God sending his wisdom down to us. Remember, we're looking at unto us. This counselor was sent by God the Father unto us to help us to walk through this valley of the shadow of death till the day that he would take us across the Jordan into heaven. All that is written, all of his holy word is for our learning. Learning of what? Learning of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Learning of who he is. Learning of his graciousness and becoming flesh. Learning of him fulfilling his own law on our behalf. learning of his love for you and I from before the world was. He displays his wisdom in sending saved sinners to preach his word to sinners in need of salvation. Look over at the 16th Psalm, if you would. Psalm number 16. <clears throat> the 16th Psalm we read in verses 1 through 7, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Here's the wisdom. The wisdom that you and I have by our Lord, and that is that there's nothing in this flesh we can be dependent upon. We see through God's word that there is nothing to have any confidence in this flesh in. Our flesh is nothing but tainted with sin. And when we are given sight, where once we were blind to see this truth, he shines his light in our hearts where we say, Preserve me, O God. All the way 
way my Savior leads me. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another that hasten after another God. They drink offerings of blood, will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. One more, if you would, turn over to the 32nd Psalm, and we'll just read a couple of verses there. Psalms 32. Psalms 32. the 32nd Psalm, verses 1 and 2, we read these words, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. Now look down at verse 7. Thou, thou, O Lord, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble, Thou shalt compass me about, that means surround us, completely cover a, a, a hedge all around us with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee, he says, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide, I will counsel thee with mine eye, saith the Lord. You don't need to turn there, but over in John chapter 6, verse 45, we read these words, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Oh, what a wonderful God we serve, who comes to us in our personal times of trouble and counsels us in his word. Put no trust in your flesh. There's nothing in your flesh that you can count on, but you can count on every single promise from him to come true. Now, folks, there's no way to consider in one study of the counsel our Lord gave while walking this earth. But let me just list a couple of few, a few if you would. Consider his counsel in repentance. What did he do when he walked this earth? He counseled people to repent of their sin. Repent of their pride. Repent. Repent of their unbelief. And turn to him. I am the way and the truth, he says. He counseled people in humbleness giving himself as an example. Though he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he was made uh, to be a servant. Though he had all the royal command of heaven at his fingertips, he became a servant and washed the feet of his people. Take that as counsel.
He counseled the people in righteousness. You have none. There is only one who is righteous. The one who was sent from the Father. And he was sent unto us. He counseled the people in holiness. But the most precious counsel of all was his counsel of substitution. I must needs go to Jerusalem and be crucified and die and be raised the third day. What a counsel for you and I, huh? <laughs> oh. What a counsel for hearing him say, it's finished, Mike. Your warfare is done. John, Kathy, all of you who are online, our warfare is done. The counsel of our Savior is sit and rest in me. He counsels us in his love, the love he has for his people. Unto us, it said, our Lord is our counsel. Amen? Will you bow with me? Good morning, folks. Good to have you here with us this morning. What a wonderful day the Lord has provided for us to worship and praise his name. In our announcements, I missed out on one. Next week will be the, the 17th of July will be our third Sunday of the month. And as you well know, our third Sunday of the month, we uh, come to the Lord's table in communion for those, with those who are unable to join us after our fellowship dinner on the first of the month. So, Lord willing, next Sunday, following immediately following our, our morning 11 o'clock service, we'll come to the Lord's table in remembrance of our Savior. Speaking about coming together in remembrance, Saturday, July 16th, 
at 11 a.m. Here at this place in Rescue California, we will come in remembrance of our brother Bill having a memorial service to gather together in closure of our brother Bill leaving this world. Because of that, I'm going to go ahead and cancel this Friday night Bible study. Actually, Kathy and I were planning on leaving uh, this next week. My brother Lee and his wife just left last Friday, and uh, we were going to get away for a few days, but I've got a service on Saturday to prepare for. No, this TV is not permanent. This is Bill's big screen TV, which his sister graciously gave to the church along with his motorcycle. And we will attempt to sell it um, for whatever we can get for it on Craigslist or whatever. It's, a, it's not very old, and it's, as you can see, it's quite large. What we're trying to do with it, and the reason you see it set up here in the worship hall, is we're hoping that, um, and we're not sure if this is going to work, so you'll bear with us. We're hoping that we can show it all of those who want to join on Zoom. We have people... Uh, Tennessee, Kingsport, Tennessee, the Stonikers want to join us. Jean and Judy and their daughter Shelly and her husband want to join us. From Kentucky, Shelby Fortner wants to join us. And I want people that do join us in person to see those who are on the line. And I'm, we're trying to see if we can figure out a way where we can give those online an opportunity to speak where everybody can hear. So, but we're not sure if it's all going to work out. You just have to pray the Lord will give us the ability to do that. We're testing and so on. So uh, that TV will not stay here. Somebody asked me, are you going to set it up and start doing like all the other churches where you put a verse up on the board? And no, no. We have our verses right here. We can read them right from this book that God has provided for us. And I pray each and every one of you have a book. If you don't, let me know. I'd be happy to give you one. I believe that's it. Remind us. Remind us of the things that we all ask as we walk through this world of darkness. Am I a light in this world? Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. The world around us cries out for good works in one who calls themselves a Christian. Look at all the wonderful things those dear folks at that church do. One who calls themselves a follower of Christ, one who claims that they follow Christ, must be as Christ. He is as Christ this very moment, without sin. Isn't that something? 
That day's coming for us too, but it's not here yet. Not here yet. Can you imagine putting the burden? What if, what if I stood here today and put that kind of a burden on you? Go out into the world and be as Christ. There is no way on this earth I could be anything as Christ. You might be able to be. I can't. God help me never to put that kind of pressure on anybody. But that's what the world does, doesn't it? Go out and be as Christ. Shine your light in the world. What is your light? how good of a person I am. See, I don't drink anymore. Maybe you say, I don't smoke anymore. Maybe you say, I don't cuss. Maybe you say, I don't beat my wife. Or maybe you say, I don't cheat on my husband. Or maybe you say, whatever you want to say. Is that your life? That's what the world expects of so-called Christians. They expect good works. To be like Christ, or at the very least to strive to do the works that Christ did. Serve the poor, give till it hurts, or as they see it, sacrifice yourself for all mankind. Kind of like, you know, that little old lady that they raised up. Her name was Mother Teresa, I think. She was inducted into a position of sainthood. You know, to be inducted into the true position of sainthood is to be called out of darkness into the living, loving, gracious life of the Lord Jesus. Everyone for whom God laid down his son's life for is a saint. How are we a saint? We're a saint in him. He is our sanctification. He is our holiness. He is our wisdom. He's our everything. Isn't that what scripture tells us? And as those who were once blind to that truth, we see it clearly now, don't we? Does my light shine in the world? Not the light of this flesh that stands before you, because as one who was once blind, I can see there is no light in this flesh. There's nothing in this flesh but putrid, sinfulness, enmity with my Lord. But I have a new spirit. And each and every one of you who God has called out of that darkness to walk in his light. See, there's the light of the world. The light of the world is his, not ours. The world wants to see our good works as proof. They want to see that we're true followers of the Lord Most High. And indeed, these verses that we're going to look at in Philippians chapter 2, they encourage us to do that very thing. Would you look at with me? Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, we read these words. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, see there's some instruction right there, 
Our Lord has given us in truth. We've looked at these verses carefully several times. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Our Lord continues with our instructions, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, this one Christ Jesus, the God-man, God in the flesh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's equal with God because he is God. He's the third one in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. But look at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, how I want to be like my Savior. But how could I be any of that? How can this weak-minded, sinful person before you be anything like that? Wherefore, verse 9, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's what I want you to look at, these next three verses. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in the absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the goodness that anyone sees in me is a work from you. Thank you, Lord, that I have nothing to boast on upon my own flesh, but my only boast is my Savior. Do all these things in verse 14 without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, and in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's the title of this morning's message, Lights in the World. What does it mean to be a light in the world? How can I be a light in the world when I walk in the flesh? When I walk in the death of this flesh? When every time I turn around, a, a, a sinful thought creeps into my mind. When every time I turn this way, my pride jumps up in front of me and says... Things that I cannot even repeat. How can I be a light in the world when all I see in this flesh is sin? How can I let my light shine 
Well, to answer these questions, one must first understand what this light that shines in the true children of God, the Most High, is. Now, the world believes that your light is your good works. It's called works religion. If you do this, you're saved. If you do that, you're saved. There was a man who once said, if you don't believe that the world is flat, you're not saved. I heard it with my own ears. But once again, I tell you, we must look to Scripture. Look to Scripture to find the, the answers. Look to our great counselor to find the truth. Would you turn with me to the book of John chapter 1, please? John chapter 1. I want you to see who this light is. This light that shines in everyone who he, for whom he has died in. Everyone for whom he has shed his blood for. When he calls them out of that darkness, when he shines his light in their heart, this is the light that God's people carry. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, for in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And this one that we call our Savior, the Christ Jesus, Christ, Christ the uh, Jesus the Christ, get it out there right this is the light of God's people it's not your works it's his his work in creation his work in becoming a man his work in walking perfectly on this earth establishing righteousness for his people the lamb slain before the foundation of the world it's in his works. This is the light of his people. God Almighty who became flesh and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. We're not talking about some glow in the way that one is or a specialness of one who acts a certain way such as that, that, that poor soul who was misguided in her works. We're talking about the light of the world. Look at verse 5 of John chapter 1. And the light shineth in darkness. And what does it say next? Darkness comprehended it not. Folks, we're all born dead in trespasses and sin. We are all born walking in the darkness of our own lusts, our own desires, our own free will, you might call it. Bound by our nature. It's what we are. It's who we are. And until the Lord does a miracle of the new birth, new birth, giving us a new nature, the nature of His Son, we will continue. To, we would continue to walk in that darkness. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Blind to the truths of God. And only thinking our own truth of our own mind, our own imagination was all there was. 
third chapter, we read in verse six, uh, 16 through 19, we read these words, John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting God. Like, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. One of the things our Lord was spoke clearly of. Clearly. He was not bashful to call those righteous, those self-righteous, religious people prideful and sinners. <gasps> you calling me a sinner? I go to church on Sunday. How dare you call me a sinner? I give, I give money to the poor. I go down and feed. I feed the homeless people twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, every year. How dare you call that sinful? Look at me. And when the Lord stood and boldly told them what kind of sinner they were, they got angry and wanted to kill him. <coughs> Darkness hates the light. The light is truth. And each and every one of us hated that light at one time too. Now back in to John chapter 1. This light is not a light that natural man can see, for our darkness is loved by it. We love what we do. We love what we are. We love the darkness, for it hides the truth about who we are and what we are in our nature. It hides our state, our standing before the Creator. How dare you tell me I am a sinner and I can't be saved? How dare you tell me that I can't accept the gift of God? I don't tell you you can't. God does. He says you won't. He says you're not even looking for him. He, say, he says he's the one who says that you're dead and you can't do anything. Not me. coming to this world, we're born in darkness. We love the darkness. The darkness gives us a false sense. It gives us a sense that we have a power over creation. Satan put it this way when he deceived Eve in the garden. He said, The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Well, she didn't, did she? She went on to have children, didn't she? But her spirit died. Her spirit surely did die. And so did Adam's. Serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the days ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In the darkness we think of ourselves as gods, having power to do whatever it is that we do, because we will to do it. Isn't that what free willism is? Isn't that what making a decision for Jesus is? 
uh, you know, that sounds so good to be, you know, yeah, one of these days I'll, one of these days I'll start, one of these days I'll make a decision and I'll start following Jesus. You won't come to the light because it reveals the truth about what you are. John the Baptist came crying in the wilderness. It says in Matthew 3, 3, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophets, Isaiah. This is John the Baptist crying out. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. There's the light of God shining in one of his children. Prepare ye the way. God Almighty. The Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is of the Lord. I haven't done anything. And if you're a child of God and hear the words of truth in your heart because he's given you ears to hear it, you'll say the same thing. I have not done anything in my salvation. I've not made a decision. If it was left to me, I'd still be out doing what I was always doing before. But thank God for his decision. Thank my Lord for his will. Thank my Lord for his love for me that would not let me go to myself. We love him because he first loved us. Isn't that what scripture tells us? You and I as children of God know that to be true, don't we? We see the truth in our deadness. We see the truth in our depravity and what we were. We see the truth that we would not come to the light. Therefore, we glorify our Lord for being our light. There is the light. There is the light in us. Glorifying our Lord. And do I do that as good as I'd like to? No. And I'll bet you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you don't either, do you? John the Baptist was our example of walking in the light in this world, letting our light shine, the light shining in us. We trust. We believe. Our faith is in Christ Jesus the Lord. We declare him as, our, as he is revealed in Scripture. That's what it means to go forth into all the world and preach. It means to proclaim the good news, the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's what Christ and him crucified is. We declare he is God in the flesh. Listen to Philippians 2, verse 5, where we just read a moment ago. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know how much peace that gives God's people? All the peace we need for our creator is our salvation, is our savior. And if he's created everything, what can stop him from what he is determined to do. I don't know about you folks, but my biggest fear is that John Reeves is going to try to do something stupid, something foolish, and it's going to hurt. Because I forget, I forget all the time that it is all of my Savior and none of me. My mind, my flesh is weak. Oh, how 
quick I can start an argument. Oh, how wonderful our Lord is, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Look over at uh, verses 6 through 15 of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, looking at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, speaking of this witness, he was not that light. See, you're not that light. It's not your good works that want that shine a light in the world. It's not what you do uh, in the world that shines that light. It's, we bear witness. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Bearing witness. Attesting to those that God brings across our path that we have a Savior who is almighty. We have a Savior who rules everything. Including the will of men. Not just the dust that you can see in the window like we say so many times, but everything. Everything that has come to pass has because our Savior has purposed it to be. Which means that everything that's come to pass is for the good of his people, right? If it's by his purpose? Yes. Does that not confirm Romans 8.28? Isn't that how we know? Because we know that it's all by his purpose. It's got to be for our good, right? No matter how much it hurts. I was asked, I was asked, why couldn't the Lord just keep us all together and then we can all leave this world together at the same time? Why has it got to be one here, one there? I don't know. I don't know why, except for that he's wiser than me, and he's promised it to be for my good some way or another. Verse 8 again, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He is in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and he... And his own received him not. But as many as received him. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. The good news that God reveals to his people. You wouldn't come to me. You would never come to me if left of your own but God. But me, says the Lord to you and I. But because of me. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, 
full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Isn't that something? John the Baptist knew that Christ has always been. God the Son has always been God the Son. He just wasn't in the flesh until this time. We were talking about that this morning in the council, as the, the, the title counselor that Isaiah gives. And the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write in uh, chapter 9, verse 6. His name is Wonderful. His name is Counselor. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in counsel together as one. Let us, let us make man in our image. That's counseling together. That's the three having counsel together. Determined exactly when Christ would become flesh. How he would become flesh through a virgin. Not with the foot, not with the seed of, 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 of Adam, but with the seed of the Spirit. All of that was determined by the counsel of God. For he was before me. Now go back to Philippians chapter 2, if you would, please. We declare who he is and what he's done for us, and not for the world, but for those whom God, whom gave he power to become the sons of God. But we must also consider verse 13 of John chapter 1, where it says, Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Remember what we read in John chapter 3, verse 8. I skip reading that? I think I did. But it says this. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. He was talking to Nicodemus. How can I be born again, Lord? Don't worry about that. That's a work of God. You got nothing to do with it. Just like you have nothing to do with your birth from your mother, you got nothing to do with the birth of God in the second birth. It's all of Him. It's not that day when you think you got up and made a decision, okay, I'm born again now. I'm all new. I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to go a new way. It's not that at all. It's God taking over inside and shining His light. We declare his works and salvation for his people. Look at verses 6 and 7, 6, 7, and 8 of Philippians chapter 2. Being confident of this very thing. No, that's in verse 1. 6, 7, and 8 of verse chapter 2. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of the servant, and was made in the likeness of men, being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. This is the works of our Savior. He humbled himself. He went to that cross and he died for his people. He didn't die for the whole world. Contrary to what the world wants you to believe, God does not love the whole world. They completely deny the scripture that says, 
Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And you think, well, you know, maybe it was something that Esau did when he grew up. No, it was before they were ever even born. That election might stand. We declare salvation is of the Lord for his elect. The Lord Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross, obedient to the covenant, the covenant that was made between the great three and one, the council that was agreed upon between the great three and one. God the Father chose the people before the world was. Isn't that what he says in Ephesians? Let me read for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. By his sovereign grace he gave this people to his son, as we read in John chapter 10, my father, which gave them me, is greater than all, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We declare that salvation is accomplished as it says, as our Lord said from the cross, it is finished. There's nothing for you to do where the world cries out, oh, you got to get in this big tub of water and get baptized. Oh, no, you got you to worship on a Saturday. Oh, no, you got to go do this. Oh, no, you got to do that. God's true people say, no, it's finished. You're saved. If you belong to him. His work accomplished what it was set out to do. That's the power of God. That's the power of God's blood. Israel, your warfare is accomplished. The power of of God was shed on that cross. The sheep of God were saved. Our sins were laid upon him. He who knew no sin was made sin, that we would be made righteous in him. Do you ever get tired of hearing that? Is that ever, is that ever, oh, oh John, you're saying it again. I've been hearing that from my pastor for 23 years. 23, yeah. I had to count on my toes real quick. My fingers don't go that high. Oh, yeah, my toes don't either, huh? I've been hearing that for 23 years. I hope to keep hearing it for the rest of my days on this earth. That's the only good news I like to hear. Salvation is of my Lord. He who knew no sin. He who was perfect in every way was made to be my sin. Your sin. Could that have happened any way other than being perfect? Could there be one part of that that wasn't done totality? No. Not if he's God. As God, he does everything perfect. As God, he does everything in total. That means all. 
That means what you're going to do this afternoon was laid upon our Savior. Whatever it is you do this afternoon, it was laid upon him. Whatever it is you do tomorrow, now it's not giving you the permission to go out and just do whatever you want. And as children of God, you know that. But it does give us comfort knowing that when we fail, because we will, we have him still. our sins in his own body. God looks upon his people and he sees the perfect blood of his son and he sees no sin. Our sins are gone. Our sins are gone, 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 gone. Never to be seen again. Atonement, payment has been made. Blessed Redeemer, Jesus is mine. Not by any works of mine, but by his own blood. I didn't choose Christ. He chose me, and nothing can stay the hand of God. Isaiah 14, 24, we read these words. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. The sovereignty of God has been declared from beginning to end throughout all of his word. You think that, you know, I was, <laughs> somebody, I can't remember what, Somebody I was having a conversation with the other day was saying that they go to a church, or somebody they, somebody they know is going to a church that uh, they only look into the New Testament books. That's it. They don't look into the Old Testament. They don't believe Christ is in the Old Testament. God's people know that Christ is from cover to cover. The light didn't just shine starting when Christ walked this earth. It shined before. Isn't that what we read about John the Baptist just a moment ago? He was talking about the light shining. that He hadn't even seen him yet. He's talking about the one who was before him, before John was ever born. This is the light of the world, Jesus Christ the Lord. As I have purposed it, so shall it stand. This one that we declare has life-giving power. In 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 9, we read these words. Who, speaking of this one, this one who has life-giving power, has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. There you go, world. It's not according to my works. Don't look at the man who stands before you. Look to the Savior of this man who stands before you. Look to the Savior of the person who sits here and listens and hears these words. Look to my Savior. Oh, but you're such a good person. Polly, you're just so sweet. Polly be the first one. Yeah. Shakes her head and says, no, you just don't know the truth about me. Every single child of God here today and listening to me on this internet says the same thing. I'm not, I'm not just singling out Polly. We all say that about ourselves. We all know that about ourselves, don't we? 
We point the people who God gives us the ability to speak to, just like he gave you the ability to speak to that person at the Bible class the other night. Or at least that's what they call it. You didn't even talk about the one who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's who we talk about. That's the light that shines in God's people. It's Christ himself. Good works will follow because he who has begun a good work in us, he who has begun a good work in his people will finish it. That's what it says in Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this thing, that he which has begun a good work in you, Paul writing to the Philippians, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But good works is not that light. No, Christ is the light. Do you know a man who's out plowing his field, says in Scripture, talks about a man who goes out and plows his field, if he's not doing it for the glory of God, it's sin. Because everything in this body, from all the way up here to the tip of that little hair that may be sticking up, to the bottom of my feet is sin. And that includes all the stuff in between. But my Savior is my righteousness. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Our Lord says in John 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We declare this light sits on his throne of glory, and death could not hold him. I'll be just a moment more. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, we read these words, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! Our Lord is on his throne. Isn't that what we read over here in verses 8 through 11 of, of Philippians chapter 2? And being found in the fashion man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of God the Father. Christ is on his throne. God the Father has made him the object of all worship. All power in heaven and earth is his to use as he sees fit. And I ask you, shall anything, can anything, separate God's people from the love of God that is in his Son, the Lord Jesus? If you think so, then you don't know God. You don't know the God of Scripture. Can anything stay his hand? Our great God tells us to take his yoke upon us. Our greatest foe, our greatest struggle is our struggle within. The weakness that we have in this flesh. I encourage you, rest in Christ. Take no confidence in what you can do in the flesh. Rest in Christ. Our Lord says to you and I, he says, my grace 
doesn't say what you do. He doesn't say, well, if you go do this. No, he says, my grace, his grace, is sufficient for us. You got something bothering you inside? Sin, sin troubling you? Our Lord's grace is sufficient for it. I've gone a little long, so I want to close with a couple of words. Turn over to First John chapter one, if you would, and let me to allow me to read once again from John, the book of John. While you're turning to First John chapter one. In John chapter 6, verse 27, we read these, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. This is talking about the light. Talking about the light in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Endureth, but labor, for, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now listen to these words, folks. This is the light of God shining in the life of one of his people. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Did you notice he said it wasn't your work? It wasn't the work that you could do wasn't something you could do. It was the work of God. We declare the works of the Lord as we see in John 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Are you with me in 1 John? Turn over to 1 John. Let me, let me get there. I'm, I'm not there. Of course, I ask everybody to turn there a little quicker than me. 1 John, look at, look at verses 5 through 7. This then, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In our Lord Jesus Christ there is no darkness. If ye say that we follow, that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. I know someone pretty dear to me. Who believes it's okay to worship in any church. Doesn't matter. Folks, that's not true. If you're somewhere or you want to go somewhere where the truth of Christ is not preached and you believe that you can worship with that. Our Lord just said that. Isn't that what he said there? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin how can I be a light in this world 
my brother Bill used to, uh, when he and I first started coming together as friends, we would ride our motorcycles all over the place. And as you know, I used to live down in the valley, not far from where Bill lived. And we, uh, that's a little bit waste of travel, folks. I can be honest with you. Get up in the morning. I gotta ride an hour or drive an hour up to church. That's a long way to go. There's gotta be something. And I would go, and you know, we've become pretty good friends. And, and I would go, you know what? I'm, I, I saw something about this preacher over here, and I would go, I'd go over and listen to him. I'd, I'd call Bill, say, Bill, come on, man. I heard, I heard something about this church over here. They have the name Sovereign Grace Church. It's gotta be a Sovereign Grace Church, right? He would say to me, he goes, nah, John, you go ahead and go check it out. Why don't you want to go with me? Because I already hear the gospel at rescue. I got no other place to go. I don't need to go anywhere else. I hear it. I hear it with the Lord preaches. And of course, you know what happened. John would go. And the first thing John would do is get up and walk out or call Bill as soon as he was over and say, yep, you were right. It ain't here. I don't know what they think sovereign means, but it sure doesn't mean what Scripture is saying it is. <laughs> and he'd kind of laugh at me. Yeah, right. You're going to go to rescue next week? Yes, yes, that's what we got to do. Let your light shine. Let the light of Christ shine in you. Have fellowship with God's people. Has the Lord put a desire in your heart to hear his truth over and over and over again? That's the light that is in all his people. The truth. Who Christ is. What he's done. And where he sits right now. Stand with me if you would, please. Unto us, part five, Isaiah 9, 6. We've already looked at that verse. This morning we're going to consider the title that is given to our Lord in that verse, Counselor. In our study of this phrase, unto us, found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we have considered in detail the first five parts of this verse. The first thing we considered was unto us, unto God's elect. Unto those that God has loved, as I mentioned in the prayer, before the world was. Unto us. Us who were dead in trespasses and sin, yet now we live in Christ. It's not us that live, but Christ that liveth in us light of the world has been shined in our hearts. A child is born was the second part. This one who had to be born. He had to come to this world in the flesh in order to pay our sins. In order to redeem us to the Father, sin had to be punished. And all of our sin was laid upon him and punished in him. He accepted the wrath of God willingly in our stead. Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. God gave his only begotten son. 
He gave him. Can we comprehend that God the Father gave his son? Here. Here's my only begotten son. Let him take your death for you. Let me pour out my wrath upon him for your sins. The son was given. This one who was given to us the very government, the very creation that you and I know all things were governed by him. And as we consider those wonderful points, we looked at our last week, we, or two weeks ago, we looked at his name is wonderful. Oh, do you see the wonder of Christ your Savior? Do you, do you comprehend the slightest bit of the grace that God has for you and I in giving us his son, the wonderfulness of that? We'll live like Bill lives now in eternity with him. In, his, in heaven, his father has many mansions, one with the name of every single one of his children on it. And not one seat will be empty. The name, the seat with your name on it, Polly Mary, shall be filled one of these days. The seat with Bill Silva's name on it has been filled. morning I want to wish to continue with these beautiful names of our Savior, these names that bring comfort to the sinner, a sinner that is saved by grace. I want to bring to you this morning comfort from the counselor or guide. Every way my Savior leads me, every way my Savior guides me, his inerrant word I look to for my counsel. I've heard Pastor Gene say over the years, I'm not a counselor. If anybody could make that statement today, it's me. I'm an uneducated, I didn't say stupid, I said uneducated. I'm an uneducated man in the things of this world, other than my own experiences. But I have the greatest counsel there is in this entire world right here in my hand. The counsel of the one who created everything. Whose wisdom is above all wisdom. Wisdom we can't even understand because his ways are not our ways, right? Isn't that what scripture tells us? Robert Hawker wrote these words. He said, Oh, thou wonderful Lord. Thou unerring, faithful, kind, tender counselor. <laughs> Do you realize that the Lord calling us out of darkness and healing our blindness, healing our lameness, healing our leprosy, is opening us to his counsel where the world is not open to? How many people... How many people stood and heard the words of God himself right in front of their face on this earth and didn't hear a single word in truth? They heard it with the ears here, but
but they had no ears of the heart to hear. You and I have been given ears of the heart to hear the counsel of our Lord. We know that our brother Bill stands with the Lord through the counseling that he has given us in his word. Not in anything that we have seen in Bill, although I will express this, we do see something in God's people. We see the love of God in them. I, I don't mean to put anybody down who's not here for, or for services this morning, but I see the love of God in you folks sitting here this morning desiring to hear God's word. I see the love of God in you in Friday nights coming out of your homes when you could be doing any kinds of things in the world and listening to God's word preached. God's people love to hear the gospel. Oh, thou wonderful Lord, thou unerring, faithful, kind, and tender counselor, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, thou mighty God, thou all-sufficient Jesus, to see the purchase of thy blood and thy Father's gift completed and made effectual. This is our counselor. This is Robert Hawker's praying out praises to our Lord as our counselor, thou all-sufficient Jesus. Oh, thou almighty God. Oh, thou everlasting Father in all things everlasting in love, in provision, in care, in security, a blessed eternity for all relations in one art thou to thy people. John, Kill, John Gill wrote this. He said, this some read in conjunction with the former title, thus wonderful counselor. They put the two words, wonderful and counselor, together as one. That's the way the Arabic version of scripture is. He calls, he, he refers to the subjunct, um, I, I don't say this correctly, I apologize, septunjunct, which calls him the angel of the great council. And the Targum puts it this way, who does wonderfully in council. Now look over at Isaiah. Hold your place here. Or, well, we're not going to come back to it. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 28, 29. And I want to see what John Gill is referring to here. He was, he's referring to this, who does wonderful in council. And, he, and he, uh, he, he's, he agrees with that through what we read in Isaiah 28, verse 29. Isaiah verse 28, verse 29. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is one which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. So we see what John Gill is stating there as the angel of the great council. Our first consideration of this title is how it belongs to Christ as concerned with his Father and the blessed Holy Spirit. And the works of nature and providence in the works of nature and in providence and in grace. Here the counsel between, here, listen, here. I want you to hear the counsel between the great three and one. In Genesis 1.26 we, we read these words. And God said, let us, there's the counsel between the three and one. People say, well, there's only one God. Absolutely correct, but there are three distinct persons 
all make up the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't just say it in one place, it says it throughout all of Scripture. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. I and my Father are one. Many, many more scriptures I can go with. And God's, and let me finish uh, Genesis 1.26, the counsel of, of the great three in one. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, let them, let the men have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now there's one, there's just one example of the, of the counsel between the great three and one. Let me give you another one in Genesis 11:7. Go to, this is at the Tower of Babel. You remember that story, right? Uh, God, God looked down upon the earth and he saw men trying to raise themselves up to God in their own, with the works of their own hand. And he said, we will not have this, right? Here's what it says in Genesis 11:7. Go to and let us. Didn't say, go, I'm going to go down and, and do this. He says, go to and let us, speaking of the great three in one, counseling, taking counsel with each other in perfect agreement. There's no dispute between the three of them. They are three in one, in perfection and in every way. Go to, let us go down, and, they, and they're confound their speech, confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So we see right there <clears throat> two examples of the great counsel between the three and one. So we see the great three and one taking counsel with each other, yet God stands in no need of counsel with his creation. His ways are above our ways. How could we give God counsel? Go and read the book of Job sometime and find out how God addressed Job when where were you, he said to Job, where were you when I made the world? I didn't need you. I don't need you now. He does not take counsel with his creation. Creatures are not part of his counsel, but Christ is. Christ is part of all of his thoughts, part of all of his purposes. It's all, Christ is part of all the decrees. Christ was consulted in creation and in the works of providence and in the great affair of redemption and salvation. Again, John Gill points this out. He says the council held concerning that is, that is the great council. This, again, this abundant uh, scriptures version reads it this way. Here makes a mention of this and it's called the council of peace. And he gets that from Zechariah 6.13 where we hear these words. Even he... Speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. The council of peace. The council of peace that determined that Christ would sit on his throne and work all things out for the good of his people. That he would be the mediator between a sinful man and God Almighty who is holy. It is in this council of peace which the plan of salvation was formed. And it was also that same council of peace that it was deployed. It was agreed upon. 
it was agreed upon that God the Son, the God-man, would become human, human flesh. He would become human by nature and by obedience, through sufferings and through death. And the time of Christ's incarnation and death was settled at that moment before the world began, as well as all the blessings of grace and the glory for the persons who are, who are to share in this salvation. Now secondly, and I'll bring this to a close after this, we see this counselor as God sending his wisdom down to us. Remember, we're looking at unto us. This counselor was sent by God the Father unto us to help us to walk through this valley of the shadow of death till the day that he would take us across the Jordan into heaven. All that is written, all of his holy word is for our learning. Learning of what? Learning of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Learning of who he is. Learning of his graciousness and becoming flesh. Learning of him fulfilling his own law on our behalf. Learning of his love for you and I from before the world was. He displays his wisdom in sending saved sinners to preach his word to sinners in need of salvation. Look over at the 16th Psalm, if you would. Psalm number 16. <clears throat> In the 16th Psalm, we read in verses 1 through 7, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Here's the wisdom. The wisdom that you and I have by our Lord, and that is that there's nothing in this flesh we can be dependent upon. We see through God's word that there is nothing to have any confidence in this flesh in. Our flesh is nothing but tainted with sin. And when we are given sight, where once we were blind to see this truth, he shines his light in our hearts where we say, Preserve me, O God, all the way my Savior leads me. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another, that hasten after another God. They drink offerings of blood, will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. One more, if you would, turn over to the 32nd Psalm, and we'll just read a couple of verses there. Psalms 32. Psalms 32.
32nd Psalm, verses 1 and 2, we read these words, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. Now look down at verse 7. Thou, thou, O Lord, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about. That means surround us, completely cover a, a, a hedge all around us with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee, he says, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide, I will counsel thee with mine eye, saith the Lord. You don't need to turn there, but over in John chapter 6, verse 45, we read these words, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Oh, what a wonderful God we serve, who comes to us in our personal times of trouble, and counsels us in his word. Put no trust in your flesh. There's nothing in your flesh that you can count on, but you can count on every single promise from him to come true. Now, folks, there's no way to consider in one study of the counsel our Lord gave while walking this earth. But let me just list a couple of few, a few if you would. Consider his counsel in repentance. What did he do when he walked this earth? He counseled people to repent of their sin. Repent of their pride. Repent, repent of their unbelief. And turn to him. I am the way and the truth, he says. He counseled people in humbleness, giving himself as an example. Though he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he was made uh, to be a servant. Though he had all the royal command of heaven at his fingertips, he became a servant and washed the feet of his people. Take that as counsel. He counseled the people in righteousness. You have none. There is only one who is righteous. The one who was sent from the Father. And he was sent unto us. He counseled the people in holiness. But the most precious counsel of all was his counsel of substitution. I must needs go to Jerusalem and be crucified and die, and be raised the third day. What a counsel for you and I, huh? <laughs> oh. What a counsel for hearing him say, It's finished, Mike. Your warfare is done. John, Kathy, all of you who are online, our warfare is done. The counsel of our Savior is sit and rest in me. counsels us in his love 
the love he has for his people. Unto us, it says, our Lord is our counselor. Amen? Will you bow with me? Good morning, folks. Good to have you here with us this morning. What a wonderful day the Lord has provided for us to worship and praise his name. In our announcements, I missed out on one. Next week will be the, the 17th of July will be our third Sunday of the month. And as you well know, our third Sunday of the month, we uh, come to the Lord's table in communion for those, with those who are unable to join us after our fellowship dinner on the first of the month. So, Lord willing, next Sunday, following immediately following our, our morning 11 o'clock service, we'll come to the Lord's table in remembrance of our Savior. Speaking about coming together in remembrance, Saturday, July 16th, at 11 a.m., here at this place in Rescue, California, we will come in remembrance of our brother Bill, having a memorial service to gather together in closure of our brother Bill leaving this world. Because of that, I'm going to go ahead and cancel this Friday night Bible study. Actually, Kathy and I were planning on leaving uh, this next week, my brother Lee and his wife just left last Friday, and uh, we were going to get away for a few days, but I've got a service on Saturday to prepare for. No, this TV is not permanent. This is Bill's big screen TV, which his sister graciously gave to the church along with his motorcycle, and we will attempt to sell it. Um, for whatever we can get for it on Craigslist or whatever. It's, it's not very old, and it's, as you can see, it's quite large. What we're trying to do with it, and the reason you see it set up here in the worship hall, is we're hoping that 
Um, and we're not sure if this is going to work, so you'll bear with us. We're hoping that we can show it all of those who want to join on Zoom. We have people uh, in Tennessee, Kingsport, Tennessee, the Stonikers want to join us. Jean and Judy and their daughter Shelly and her husband want to join us from Kentucky. Shelby Fortner wants to join us. And I want people that do join us in person to see those who are on the line. And I'm, we're trying to see if we can figure out a way where we can give those online an opportunity to speak where everybody can hear. So, but we're not sure if this is all going to work out. We just have to pray the Lord will give us the ability to do that. We're testing and so on. So, uh, that TV will not stay here. Somebody asked me, are you going to set it up and start doing like all the other churches where you put a verse up on the board? And no, no. We have our verses right here. We can read them right from this book that God has provided for us. And I pray each and every one of you have a book. If you don't, let me know. I'd be happy to give you one. So, um, I believe that's it. Remind us. Remind us of the things that we all ask as we walk through this world of darkness. Am I a light in this world? Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. The world around us cries out for good works in one who calls themselves a Christian. Look at all the wonderful things those dear folks at that church do. One who calls themselves a follower of Christ, one who claims that they follow Christ, must be as Christ. He is as Christ this very moment, without sin. <laughs> Isn't that something? That day's coming for us too, but it's not here yet. Not here yet. Can you imagine putting the burden? What if, what if I stood here today and put that kind of a burden on you? Go out into the world and be as Christ. There is no way on this earth I could be anything as Christ. You might be able to be. I can't. God help me never to put that kind of pressure on That's what the world does, doesn't it? Go out and be as Christ. Shine your light in the world. What is your light? Is it in what you do? See how good of a person I am? See, I don't drink anymore. Maybe you say, I don't smoke anymore. Maybe you say, 
I don't cuss. Maybe you say, I don't beat my wife. Or maybe you say, I don't cheat on my husband. Or maybe you say, whatever you want to say. Is that your life? That's what the world expects of so-called Christians. They expect good works. To be like Christ, or at the very least to strive to do the works that Christ did. Serve the poor, give till it hurts, or as they see it, sacrifice yourself for all mankind. Kind of like, you know, that little old lady that they raised up. Her name was Mother Teresa, I think. She was inducted into a position of sainthood. You know, to be inducted into the true position of sainthood is to be called out of darkness into the living, loving, gracious life of the Lord Jesus. Everyone for whom God laid down his son's life for is a saint. How are we a saint? We're a saint in him. He is our sanctification. He is our holiness. He is our wisdom. He's our everything. Isn't that what scripture tells us? And as those who were once blind to that truth, we see it clearly now, don't we? Does my light shine in the world? Not the light of this flesh that stands before you, because as one who was once blind, I can see there is no light in this flesh. There's nothing in this flesh but putrid, sinfulness, enmity with my Lord. But I have a new spirit. And each and every one of you who God has called out of that darkness to walk in his light. See, there's the light of the world. The light of the world is his, not ours. The world wants to see our good works as proof. They want to see that we're true followers of the Lord Most High. And indeed, these verses that we're going to look at in Philippians chapter 2, they encourage us to do that very thing. Would you look at it with me? Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, we read these words. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. See, there's some instruction right there. Our Lord has given us instruction. We've looked at these verses carefully several times. Verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Our Lord continues with our instructions, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, this one Christ Jesus, the God-man, God in the flesh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's equal with God because he is God. He's the third one in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in the fashion of the man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, how I want to be like my Savior. But how could I be any of that? How can this weak-minded, sinful person before you be anything like that? Wherefore, verse 9, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here's what I want you to look at these next three verses. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in the absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the goodness that anyone sees in me is a work from you. Thank you, Lord, that I have nothing to boast on upon my own flesh, but my only boast is my Savior. Do all these things in verse 14 without murmuring and disputing that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, and in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's the title of this morning's message, Lights in the World. What does it mean to be a light in the world? How can I be a light in the world when I walk in the flesh when I walk in the death of this flesh, when every time I turn around, a, a, a sinful thought creeps into my mind, when every time I turn this way, my pride jumps up in front of me and says, things that I cannot even repeat. How can I be a light in the world when all I see in this flesh is sin? How can I let my light shine? Well, to answer these questions, one must first understand what this light that shines in the true children of God, the Most High, is. Now, the world believes that your light is your good works. It's called works religion. If you do this, you're saved. If you do that, you're saved. There was a man who once said, if you don't believe that the world is flat, you're not saved. I heard it with my own ears. Once again, I tell you, we must look to Scripture. Look to Scripture to find the, the answers. Look to our great counselor to find the truth. Would you turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1, please? John, chapter 1. I want you to see who this light is. This light that shines in the, everyone who he, for whom he has died in. Everyone for whom he has shed his blood for. 
when he calls them out of that darkness, when he shines his light in their heart, this is the light that God's people carry. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, for in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And this one that we call our Savior, the Christ Jesus, Christ, Christ the uh, Jesus the Christ, Get it out there, right? This is the light of God's people. It's not your works. It's His. His work in creation. His work in becoming a man. His work in walking perfectly on this earth, establishing righteousness for His people. The Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It's in his works. This is the light of his people. God Almighty who became flesh and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. We're not talking about some glow in the way that one is or a specialness of one who acts a certain way such as that, that, that poor soul who was misguided in her works. We're talking about the light of the world. Look at verse 5 of John chapter 1. And the light shineth in darkness. And what does it say next? Darkness comprehended it not. Folks, we're all born dead in trespasses and sin. We are all born walking in the darkness of our own lusts, our own desires, our own free will, you might call it. Bound by our nature. It's what we are. It's who we are. And until the Lord does a miracle of the new birth, new birth, giving us a new nature, the nature of His Son, we will continue to we would continue to walk in that darkness. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Blind to the truths of God. And only thinking our own truth of our own mind, our own imagination was all there was. Over in the third chapter, we read in verse six, uh, 16 through 19, we read these words. John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting God. Like, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. One of the things our Lord spoke clearly, clearly. He was not bashful to call those righteous, those self-righteous, religious people prideful and sinners. 
calling me a sinner? I go to church on Sunday. How dare you call me a sinner? I give, I give money to the poor. I go down and feed. I feed the homeless people twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, every year. How dare you call that sinful? Look at me. And when the Lord stood and boldly told them what kind of sinner they were, they got angry and wanted to kill him. <clears throat> Darkness hates the light. And the light is truth. And each and every one of us hated that light at one time too. Now back in to John chapter 1. This light is not a light that natural man can see, for our darkness is loved by us. We love what we do. We love what we are. We love the darkness, for it hides the truth about who we are and what we are and our nature. It hides our state, our standing before the Creator. How dare you tell me I am a sinner and I can't be saved? How dare you tell me that I can't accept the gift of God? I don't tell you you can't. God does. He says you won't. He says you're not even looking for him. He, sa he says he's the one who says that you're dead and you can't do anything. Not me. We come into this world, we're born in darkness. We love the darkness. The darkness gives us a false sense. It gives us a sense that we have a power over creation. Satan put it this way when he deceived Eve in the garden. He said, The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Well, she didn't, did she? She went on to have children, didn't she? But her spirit died. Her spirit surely did die. And so did Adam. serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the days ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. In the darkness we think of ourselves as gods, having power to do whatever it is that we do, because we will to do it. Isn't that what free willism is? Isn't that what making a decision for Jesus is? Uh, you know, that sounds so good to be, you know, yeah, one of these days I'll one of these days I'll start one of these days I'll make a decision and I'll start following Jesus. You won't come to the light because it reveals the truth about what you are. John the Baptist came crying in the wilderness. It says in Matthew 3 3, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophets, Isaiah. This is John the Baptist crying out. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There is the light of God shining in one of his children. Prepare ye the way, God Almighty. The Lord Jesus Christ, salvation is of the Lord. I haven't done anything. And if you're a child of God and hear the words of truth in your heart because he's given you ears to hear it, you'll say the same thing. I have not done anything in my salvation. I've not made a decision. If it was left to me, I'd still be out doing what I was always doing before. 
But thank God for his decision. Thank my Lord for his will. Thank my Lord for his love for me that would not let me go to myself. We love him because he first loved us. Isn't that what scripture tells us? You and I as children of God know that to be true, don't we? We see the truth in our deadness. We see the truth in our depravity and what we were. We see the truth that we would not come to the light. Therefore, we glorify our Lord for being our light. There is the light. There is the light in us. Glorifying our Lord. And do I do that as good as I'd like to? No. And I'll bet you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you don't either, do you? John the Baptist was our example of walking in the light in this world, letting our light shine, the light shining in us. We trust. We believe. Our faith is in Christ Jesus the Lord. We declare him as, our, as he is revealed in Scripture. That's what it means to go forth into all the world and preach. It means to proclaim the good news, the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's what Christ and him crucified is. We declare he is God in the flesh. Listen to Philippians 2, verse 5, where we just read a moment ago. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know how much peace that gives God's people? All the peace we need for our creator is our salvation, is our savior. And if he's created everything, what can stop him from what he is determined to do? I don't know about you folks, but my biggest fear is that John Reeves is going to try to do something stupid. Something foolish. And it's going to hurt. Because I forget. I forget all the time that it is all of my Savior and none of me. Amen. My mind, my flesh is weak. Oh, how quick I can start an argument. Oh, how wonderful our Lord is, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Look over at uh, verses 6 through 15 of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, looking at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, speaking of this witness, he was not that light. See, you're not that light. It's not your good works that, want, that shine a light in the world. It's not what you do uh, in the world that shines that light. It's, we bear witness. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Bearing witness. Attesting to those that God brings across our path that we have a Savior 
who is almighty. We have a Savior who rules everything, including the will of men. Not just the dust that you can see in the window like we say so many times, but everything. Everything that has come to pass has because our Savior has purposed it to be. Which means that everything that's come to pass is for the good of his people, right? If it's by his purpose? Yes. Does that not confirm Romans 8, 28? Isn't that how we know? Because we know that it's all by his purpose. It's got to be for our good, right? No matter how much it hurts. I was asked, I was asked why couldn't the Lord just keep us all together and then we can all leave this world together at the same time. Why has it got to be one here, one there? I don't know. I don't know why. Except for that he's wiser than me. And he's promised it to be for my good some way or another. Verse 8 again, he was not that light that was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He is in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and, he re and his own received him not. But as many as received him. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. The good news that God reveals to his people. You wouldn't come to me. You would never come to me if left of your own but God. But me, says the Lord to you and I. But because of me. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me. Isn't that something? John the Baptist knew that Christ has always been. God the Son has always been God the Son. He just wasn't in the flesh until this time. We were talking about that this morning in the council, as the, the, the title counselor that Isaiah gives. And the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write in uh, chapter 9, verse 6. His name is Wonderful. His name is Counselor. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in counsel together as one. Let us, let us make man in our image. That's counseling together. That's the three having counsel together. Determined exactly when Christ would become flesh. How he would become flesh through a virgin. Not with the foot, not with the seed of, 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 of Adam, but with the seed of the Spirit. 
All of that was determined by the counsel of God. For he was before me. Now go back to Philippians chapter 2, if you would, please. We declare who he is and what he's done for us, and not for the world, but for those whom God, whom gave he power to become the sons of God. But we must also consider verse 13 of John chapter 1, where it says, Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Remember what we read in John chapter 3, verse 8. Did I skip reading that? I think I did. But it says this. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. He was talking to Nicodemus. How can I be born again, Lord? Don't worry about that. That's a work of God. you got nothing to do with it. Just like you have nothing to do with your birth from your mother, you got nothing to do with the birth of God in the second birth. It's all of him. It's not that day when you think you got up and made a decision, okay, I'm born again now. I'm all new. I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to go a new way. It's not that at all. It's God taking over inside and shining his light. We declare his works and salvation for his people. Look at verses 6 and 7, 6, 7 and 8 of Philippians chapter 2. Being confident of this very thing. No, that's in verse 1. 6, 7 and 8 of verse chapter 2. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. This is the works of our Savior. He humbled himself. He went to that cross and he died for his people. He didn't die for the whole world. Contrary to what the world wants you to believe, God does not love the whole world. They completely deny the scripture that says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And you think, well, you know, maybe it was something that Esau did when he grew up. No, it was before they were ever even born that election might stand. We declare salvation is of the Lord for his elect. The Lord Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross, obedient to the covenant, the covenant that was made between the great three and one, the council that was agreed upon between the great three and one, God the Father chose the people before the world was. Isn't that what he says in Ephesians? Let me read for you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. By his sovereign grace, he gave this people to his son. As we read in John chapter 10, My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. 
We declare that salvation is accomplished as it says, as our Lord said from the cross, it is finished. There's nothing for you to do where the world cries out, oh, you got to get in this big tub of water and get baptized. Oh, no, you got you to worship on a Saturday. Oh, no, you got to go do this. Oh, no, you got to do that. God's true people say, no, it's finished. You're saved. If you belong to him. His work accomplished what it was set out to do. That's the power of God. That's the power of God's blood. Israel, your warfare is accomplished. The power of God was shed on that cross. The sheep of God were saved. Our sins were laid upon him. He who knew no sin was made sin, that we would be made righteous in him. Do you ever get tired of hearing that? Is that ever, is that ever, oh, oh John, you're saying it again. I've been hearing that from my pastor for 23 years. 23, yeah, 23 years. I had to count on my toes real quick. My fingers don't go that high. Oh, yeah, but toes don't either, huh? I've been hearing that for 23 years. I hope to keep hearing it for the rest of my days on this earth. That's the only good news I like to hear. Salvation is of my Lord. He who knew no sin. He who was perfect in every way was made to be my sin. Your sin. Could that have happened any way other than being perfect? Could there be one part of that that wasn't done in totality? God, he does everything perfect. As God, he does everything in total. That means all. That means what you're going to do this afternoon was laid upon our Savior. Whatever it is you do this afternoon, it was laid upon him. Whatever it is you do tomorrow, now it's not giving you the permission to go out and just do whatever you want. And as children of God, you know that. But it does give us comfort knowing that when we fail, because we will, we have him still. And again, and again, and again. He bore our sins in his own body. God looks upon his people and he sees the perfect blood of his son and he sees no sin. Our sins are gone. Our sins are gone, 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 gone. Never to be seen again. Atonement, payment has been made. Blessed Redeemer, Jesus is mine. Not by any works of mine, but by his own blood. I didn't choose Christ. He chose me. And nothing can stay the hand of God. 
Isaiah 14, 24, we read these words. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. The sovereignty of God has been declared from beginning to end throughout all of his word. You think that, you know, I was, <laughs> somebody, I can't remember what, somebody I was having a conversation with the other day was saying that they go to a church, or somebody they, somebody they know is going to a church that uh, they only look into the New Testament with. That's it. They don't look into the Old Testament. They don't believe Christ is in the Old Testament. God's people know that Christ is from cover to cover. The light didn't just shine starting when Christ walked this earth. It shined before. Isn't that what we read about John the Baptist just a moment ago? He was talking about the light shining. That he hadn't even seen him yet. He's talking about the one who was before him. Before John was ever born. This is the light of the world. Jesus Christ the Lord. <clears throat> and as I have purposed it, so shall it stand. This one that we declare has life-giving power. In 2 Timothy verse one, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 9, we read these words. Who, speaking of this one, this one who has life-giving power, has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. There you go, world. It's not according to my works. Don't look at the man who stands before you. Look to the Savior of this man who stands before you. Look to the Savior of the person who sits here and listens and hears these words. Look to my Savior. Oh, but you're such a good person. Polly, you're just so sweet. Polly be the first one. Yeah, shakes her head. Says, no, you just don't know the truth about me. Every single child of God here today and listening to me on this internet says the same thing. I'm not, I'm not just singling out Polly. We all say that about ourselves. We all know that about ourselves, don't we? We point the people who God gives us the ability to speak to just like he gave you the ability to speak to that person at the Bible class the other night. Or at least that's what they call it. <laughs> you didn't even talk about the one who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's who we talk about. That's the light that shines in God's people. It's Christ himself. Good works will follow because he who has begun a good work in us, he who has begun a good work in his people will finish it. That's what it says in Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this thing, that he which has begun a good work in you, Paul writing to the Philippians, he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But good works is not that light. No. Christ is the light. Do you know a man who's out plowing his field says in Scripture, talks about a man who goes out and plows his field. If he's not doing it for the glory of God, it's sin. 
because everything in this body, from all the way up here to the tip of that little hair that may be sticking up, to the bottom of my feet is sin. And that includes all the stuff in between. But my Savior is my righteousness. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Our Lord says in John 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We declare this light sits on his throne of glory, and death could not hold him. I'll be just a moment more. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, we read these words, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! Our Lord is on his throne. Isn't that what we read over here in verses 8 through 11 of, of Philippians chapter 2? And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Christ is on his throne. God the Father has made him the object of all worship. All power in heaven and earth is his to use as he sees fit. And I ask you, shall anything, can anything, separate God's people from the love of God that is in his son, the Lord Jesus? If you think so, then you don't know God. You don't know the God of Scripture. Can anything stay his hand? Our great God tells us to take his yoke upon us. Our greatest foe, our greatest struggle is our struggle within. The weakness that we have in this flesh. I encourage you, rest in Christ. Take no confidence in what you can do in the flesh. Rest in Christ. Our Lord says to you and I, he says, my grace. He doesn't say what you do. He doesn't say, well, if you go do this. No, he says, my grace, his grace, is sufficient for us. You got something bothering you inside? Sin, sin troubling you? Our Lord's grace is sufficient. gone a little long, so I want to close with a couple of words. Turn over to 1 John chapter 1, if you would, and let me to allow me to read once again from John, the book of John. While you're turning to 1 John chapter 1. In John chapter 6, verse 27, we read these, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. This is talking about the light. Talking about the light in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, endureth, but labor for 
Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now listen to these words, folks. This is the light of God shining in the life of one of his people. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Did you notice he said it wasn't your work? It wasn't the work that you could do. It wasn't something you could do. It was the work of God. We declare the works of the Lord as we see in John 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Are you with me in 1 John? Turn over to 1 John. Let me, let me get there. I'm, I'm not there. Of course, I ask everybody to turn there a little quicker than me. 1 John, look at, look at verses 5 through 7. This then, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In our Lord Jesus Christ there is no darkness. If ye say that we follow, that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. I know someone pretty dear to me. Who believes it's okay to worship in any church. Doesn't matter. Folks, that's not true. If you're somewhere or you want to go somewhere where the truth of Christ is not preached and you believe that you can worship with that. Our Lord just said that. Isn't that what he said there? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship forth one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. How can I be a light in this world? Our brother Bill used to, uh, when he and I first started coming together as friends, we would ride our motorcycles all over the place, and as you know, I used to live down in the valley, not far from where Bill lived. And we, uh, that's a little bit waste of travel, folks. I can be honest with you. Get up in the morning. Oh, I got to ride an hour or drive an hour up to church. That's a long way. So there's got to be something. And I would go, and, you know, we've become pretty good friends. And, and I would go, you know what, I'm, I, I saw something about this preacher over here, and I would go, I'd go over and listen to him. I'd, I'd call Bill and say, Bill, come on, man, I, I, heard, I heard something about this church over here. They have the name Sovereign Grace Church. It's got to be a Sovereign Grace Church, right? He would say to me, he goes, nah, John, you go ahead, you go check it out. 
why don't you want to go with me? Because I already hear the gospel at rescue. I got no other place to go. I don't need to go anywhere else. I hear it. I hear it with the Lord preaches. And of course, you know what happened. John would go. And the first thing John would do is get up and walk out or call Bill as soon as he was over and say, yeah, you were right. It ain't here. I don't know what they think sovereign means, but it sure doesn't mean what Scripture is saying it is. <laughs> and he'd kind of laugh at me, see, yeah, yeah. You going to go to rescue next week? Yes, yes, that's where we got to go. Let your light shine. Let the light of Christ shine in you. Have fellowship with God's people. Has the Lord put a desire in your heart to hear his truth over and over and over again? That's the light that is in all his people. The truth. Who Christ is. What he's done. And where he sits right now. Stand with me if you would, please. Folks, when the Lord Jesus Christ shines his light in the hearts of one of his people, we come to know that the crown is already his. He's always been Lord of all. We just didn't know it. Brother Mike Loveless, would you lead us in closing prayer, please?